This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Feisty, fearless, and fair. Telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. basically got a punt just a little bit ago. The Supreme Court came down and said that they will temporarily put Title 42 basically on hold, that it will stay in place. And I say, bravo, bravo, bravo. And we're going to talk about that tonight on the Rita Cosby Show. What do you make of the fact that the Supreme Court basically said We're just going to keep it in place for a while. The Biden administration, by the way, can come back with their own immigration policy and it could change things. They didn't preclude that. And basically, at this point, everybody at the border just kind of has a little more time to figure things out. And guess what? The Biden administration better figure it out. It is so outrageous that here we are and it's been two years into the Biden White House, which, boy, has that been a mess. And the border is a blaring red sign. It's like, come on, look, take a look. You can see hazard, hazard, hazard everywhere. It's so obvious. You just look at, you know, five minutes of footage and you see just a stream of people coming across our border that aren't being vetted. They can't be checked. There are so many issues going on here. And this administration to date still hasn't come up with anything that even looks like an immigration policy. All they can do is say, oh, no, the border's secure. What are you talking about? And then let's blame Trump. Let's blame January 6th. Let's blame Republicans. I mean, what a bunch of hogwash. These people are just all over the place and they won't look in the mirror and realize that they have created this crisis. They've given a green light to people coming across the border And basically what the Supreme Court did by saying that they're basically going to keep Title 42 in place temporarily for now was buy the Biden administration a little bit more time to finally come up with some sort of a policy to actually protect America. It is astounding to me that we have an American president who doesn't seem to care about America's borders. That, to me, is just downright disconcerting, dangerous, and perplexing. I I mean, it's, it is inconceivable. What are your thoughts, everybody? It's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby show. How do you read this decision by the Supreme court, which essentially says we're going to buy a little bit more time. We're going to try to figure this out. Um, And you know, what's interesting, by the way, in the decision that just came down, I was just reading it a little bit ago, Neil Gorsuch, of course, a conservative, actually sided with three of the liberal justices. It was interesting. Um, And that was in part of the dissent. And he basically said, you know what? Uh, This policy shouldn't be in place now. I do agree with him for this reason. 
He says, you know, it's a pandemic policy. Obviously, the pandemic's over, although maybe Kathy Hochul and others would like it to be around forever, you know, but it's it's over, by the way. I, maybe they need the big uh, sign. It's over. And so he says this is a temporary policy. This was just put in place for pandemic, for COVID, and that if you want to come up with a policy, you, Congress, you, executive branch, need to come up with a policy. But we shouldn't be putting in place something that's supposed to be, quote, in place for the pandemic and COVID. And that's basically also what the liberal justices are saying. That's what the Biden administration is saying. But they're also saying it because they don't want anything that's going to stop this, like, mass migration across the border. They would love to have, like, another 10,000 every day. And they'd be, like, cheering and, and, you know, giving them champagne and free cell phones and everything else. So to me, as I'm sitting here, it is a nice thing that we got a little more time. I'm happy for the border agents. I'm happy for America. But all I think we really did was kick the can down the road because I do not see this administration coming up with anything that looks like a coherent policy. If they do, it's just going to be a bunch of words and platitudes. The actions speak for themselves. I was seeing today, this is amazing, guys, that out of like every basically uh, seven that are uh, arrested, that are, you know, apprehended, if you will, at the border. Remember, many of them don't even get stopped at the border, if you will, or questioned at the border. I shouldn't even say arrested. They were stopped at the border. Seven to one is the rate of who gets into the country. That's with Title 42 in place. So it's like they're not really enforcing Title 42 anyway, but at least to have anything that could be used as an excuse to keep people on the other side of the border so they can be vetted properly, so they can be handled properly. I mean, this is just, it is so insane. It is so nuts. And what is our president doing? He's on his way to beautiful U.S. Virgin Island, St. Croix, which is a beautiful place. I'll give him that. It's a good choice. But he's not going to be coming up with anything. You think he's going to be sitting there on a beach in St. Croix? He may not even know what country he's in or what place he's in. That's the starter. But you think he's going to be thinking, oh, gosh, how am I going to solve the border crisis that's been uh, I've been trying to ignore for two years? I don't think over a daiquiri in St. Croix we're going to get that answer. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And here is Congressman Tony Gonzalez, who talked about this decision by the Supreme Court. Yes, it's a victory, but it is a short-term one. Take a listen to how he decides and how he sort of views the situation. I expect more of the same from the White House. Unless they change some of their policy decision-making, you're going to just see Title 42 continue to get punted. I will tell you, you know, representing 42% of the Southern communities along the border, we we, we got a win tonight, and we are grateful for it. Even if it's, we will take a Band-Aid at this point. House Republicans are in the minority. This is what a win in the minority looks like. Uh, Kevin McCarthy has led House Republicans uh, pushing the effort to keep Title 42 in place, knowing it's not perfect, but it is is at least a Band-Aid uh, that, that needs to go forward. Now, now, now we look at House Republicans having the majority. And what does a win in the majority look like? I think part of that is making sure that the administration is held accountable and also finding ways for solutions. At the end of the day, the Biden administration needs to have a long-term solution to this problem set. The big question is, will they actually get there? I'm not so confident. I think that they'll just kind of keep punting, punting, uh, blaming the GOP, saying, oh, no, well, and then guess what? I, I'm waiting for them to say somehow January 6th and Trump are responsible for a wide open border. They haven't gone there yet. 
Uh, but they're going to get there because everything goes back to Trump January 6th. Trump January 6th. If the sky, if it's cloudy outside, it's Trump January 6th. You know, if it's too dry outside, it's Trump January 6th. Whatever it is. And here is Tony Gonzalez because he's a little more optimistic. He thinks that this will actually maybe force the Biden administration. Now they've got basically a deadline until February. That's when the states have their case heard before the Supreme Court because they're the ones who filed suit against the Biden administration. That's what sort of precipitated it going all the way up to the high court. And so he thinks this will now force the Biden administration to try to come up with something before February. I'm not so confident, but this is what Congressman Gonzalez has to say. The administration is under incredible amounts of pressure, not only from Republicans now, it's also from Democrats, House Democrats, as well as those in the Senate. But it's not only it doesn't end there. It's also local Democrats. The city of El Paso is predominantly a Democrat city. And here you have them declaring an emergency until January 17th. They themselves are busing migrants all over the country. So it's no longer a problem the administration can just blame the, the House Republicans for. It is it is theirs to own. I look at it. The only way this gets solved is if Congress and, and the administration come together to, one, ensure that the, the uh, laws are enforced, but also come up with something sensible, maybe work visas, uh, you know, amnesty, that's dead on arrival, uh, deportation probably doesn't make a lot of sense. But work visas, I think, is an area that we can build out and grow from there. So work visas enough. Uh, Tony Gonzalez certainly has a good sense of what's happening at the border. But I don't think work visas is the only thing that we got to be looking at right now. And he said, oh, asylum is out. I I actually don't think it's out for the Democrats. I think he's naive if he thinks. Of course, the Republicans don't want it. They will not say blanket amnesty. But don't be surprised if one day we wake up and suddenly we've got three million more citizens. And then maybe two days later, we've got another three million more because Biden decided to give them amnesty. Um, And who knows where this is going to go, guys. But here is Congressman Tony Gonzalez, because he definitely says that if the issue stays as it is right now on the border, which is a big old mess, he is saying that next year could be catastrophic. Take a listen. The way this ends, uh, Kevin McCarthy led this uh, commitment to America in our in in the House Republicans commitment to America is our plan to secure the border. There has to be enforcement of our laws. Otherwise, we're just going to continue to see this chaos. And like one of the op eds uh, mentioned, uh, 2023 could be our worst year yet. Pretty scary. 2023 could be our worst year yet. The November numbers were our worst November yet with two hundred and thirty three thousand crossing just in November alone that we know about. And then you're saying 2023 is going to be worse. I mean, have you seen the images? Just look at any show, basically. Well, some of the mainstream media don't cover it. But if you look at, like, say, Fox News and some of the other places, you see it's like a steady stream. Like, they don't seem concerned whatsoever. They're just kind of walking along. You see even Customs and Border. They're like walking, you know, hey, I'm coming to America. You know, they might as well just say, hey, I'm crossing illegally and can't wait to say hi to you, Customs and Border Patrol, because they're basically babysitters and they know it. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jose on line six. Um, Jose, we just lost you there. Shoot. Let's go to Tino, who's on line five. Tino, go ahead. Hey, how are you, Rita? I'm well, good. Now, you... I'm, now I'm much better that I'm talking to you, Tino. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. First, let me honor you like you do everybody else because uh, you're phenomenal. Listen, I don't mind uh, people coming across and be 
you know, a United States citizen. But this is way out of control. I never thought I'd see this in my lifetime. And, and you know, I'm in uh, my late 60s, and it's uh, they're overwhelmed as it is. I'm happy about the court, you know, holding it up. But the way this government is running, uh, God knows. I just, I'm just so sad. I mean, I don't, and they get more than uh, the United States citizen, you know. They do, and and, and you know, Tino, Tino, you're you're. I hear your sentiment in your voice because, to me, I feel the same way too. It saddens me because I think about right now also how cold it is all over the country. I mean, we see it with all the flights and everything, and there are so many homeless veterans and homeless individuals. I don't know how they're making it through the night. I feel bad for these people, too, because a lot of them, like in El Paso, there are some images today that were absolutely heartbreaking because you could see them. They ha- they're they overrunning the shelters there. So a lot of people are sleeping on the streets in El Paso. They're creating this big tent uh, the size of a football field to try to at least give them something with some heaters and other things. Um, but regardless of all that, we have so many Americans that could use help. They could use a free cell phone. They could use some free food. And they're not given the priorities. And for some reason, this administration is bending over backwards when it comes to the migrants and seems to be turning a blind eye on so many of the others. And and it saddens me, you know, Tino, because it's not reversible. That's the thing. Do you think about the issues that happen now? If we let people coming in who are unvetted, who are not checked appropriately, who have, say, even a criminal history that we don't know about, you know, we may not find out about it until it's too late that something happens in this country. It, you know, it, it's one of those things, the general, general, generationally, I had to get that word out, generationally, um, it could be 10 years from now, 20 years from now, uh, that we suddenly realize the effect of this huge open border policy. Even if we blocked it today, Tino, how do you reverse the millions upon millions that have come in, we've already had anywhere between four to five and a half million have already come in through President Biden. And he's got two more years to go. God help this country. Real quick, Tino, your thoughts. That's very scary thought, beautifully said, as beautiful as you are. And I do thank you for taking my call. Tino, you know how I feel. By the way, Tino, I, with those compliments, you can call anytime. All right. Thank you so, thank you so kindly. <laughs> thank you, you very much, Tino. Great to talk with you. And everybody, when we come back, we're going to continue with your calls. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Don't fear the reaper. A little boy, blue oyster cult. I used to hear this in high school all the time. 
So this is kind of a fun one. But I do fear the Reaper. And I fear the reefer that's also coming through the border, too, because that's coming through. So is the fentanyl. I fear a lot of those things that are coming through. And I fear the fact that the border remains wide open. And Congressman Tony Gonzalez there from Texas said he is so worried when Title 42 is going to go away. It looks like now the earliest would be sometime early next year. But when it does, it's not going to be a pretty sight communities along the border in Arizona and Texas, we didn't even get a lump of coal for Christmas. You know, Title 42 goes away and all hell breaks loose. You know, the administration keeps saying we have a plan. I'll tell you what the plan is. Their plan is to add more soft-sided facilities like the one that Fox covered outside of El Paso. These tents basically pop up these tents all over and just process more people. That's not a plan. All that does is encourage even more illegal immigration. Yeah, it only encourages more, as if you can imagine having more. I I mean, I don't know how more people could, like, line up and run through if somebody said, hey, charge. You know, that's basically what we're seeing every day on the border and the thought of it doubling in the number. And now there are still thousands upon thousands that are waiting in, like, places like Matamoros, Mexico, right on that other side of the border. And they were thinking, gosh, if Title 42 got lifted, which it could have as early as today, which was why today was such a big day, Everyone was waiting to see, had they gotten lifted, you would have bet they would have been right at the border within minutes because they are right there waiting. Now they're just sort of on hold temporarily and wondering how long they will be on hold. This sort of like legal limbo is an interesting place to be. Uh, Let's go to Phil, line five. Phil, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead. Rita, I'm hearing some small talk from a couple of people in uniform and a couple of other people out of uniform, and I'm kind of kind of upset at what I'm hearing. Uh, the rumor has it that according to the Army Code that this, this constitutes what's going on in Texas and, and in uh, Arizona. This constitutes an invasion. This is physically an invasion. And you're gonna get you're gonna get one or two commanders in high rank in the the National Guard or the the armed forces that are just gonna take action because this is this, all they have to do, all you have to do is have one person crossing that border with a firearm, and that's considered an invasion. That's considered potentially an act of war. Well, Phil, Phil, many of them already have. We know that for a fact. I mean, at least the ones we even know that we stopped. Imagine the ones we don't know that have stopped. Um, but, you know, it's interesting you use the phrase invasion, Phil, because there's a big sort of legal distinction between that and obviously uh, what the Biden administration says is happening now. Um, but, If you look at, like, Arizona, like the Arizona uh, Attorney General, uh, Mark Burnovich, basically said it is an invasion. It needs to be declared that because then states can say, well, we need to protect our homeland. That's what Texas did, too. Texas basically declared it an invasion, Governor Abbott, um, and said we need to do X, X, and X, and X to protect our homeland, our state, from an invasion. So it's given him a little bit more flexibility But you got to also have help from the federal government. If you have a federal government that says, come on in, basically no worries, anybody, even if you're a state that taking matters into your own hands, then it's that boy, is that a a formula for disaster? You know, if you're in two different pages. Um, But I think the Biden administration's on two different pages with the American public, Phil, don't you? Well, the Biden administration is completely corrupt and violated every law of the Constitution. The point is that 
you know, Rita, you're, you're a civilian. You've never served, but, you know, the Army and, and people in, in the military have a different perspective of, of, of reality. And in this case, you know, the Abbott's over there playing tiddlywinks with the law and saying, well, you know, I think I've got a winner. I think I don't. You can't, you can't reason that out because if you declare an invasion, you have every single right to mobilize the state militia and the National Guard and get them over there. You got 5,000 men and women with M16 saying you're not coming in. I don't think you want to go up against that. I think it's time that we put our National Guard on the border to stop, period. If they've got a problem, let Biden send the United States Army down there and say, well, you can't stop anybody from coming in. And what's going to happen is the, the, the army is going to realize that they, they are not, he is the commander in chief, but they, he is violating their own law and rule of law. You see what I'm saying? That's when you catch Biden. Yeah, actually, that would be an interesting sort of, uh, you know, uh, confluence of authority um, to have the National Guard there. And then the army comes in and the National Guard says, well, we're protecting our state. We were called in by the state to protect. I mean, it actually would be interesting. I wish, just like you said, you know, you use the description um, that Governor Abbott's playing tiddlywinks. He is sending a lot of the migrants from the border. I was seeing today he has sent uh, 16,000 from Texas. 9,000 of them went to D.C. Those are some new numbers that came out. But he does have to do more at the physical border. And he does have some rights. And you just brought up a brilliant idea, Phil. I wish you were advising him. And I wish you would take advice from somebody with some sense of logic like you. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a powerful story coming from Anne Arundel County in Maryland, where intense moments surrounded all involved when officers worked to save a teen who was stuck in a frozen creek the day after Christmas. And boy, it was cold in Maryland. Officers received word that two teenagers had fallen into a frozen creek around 2.45 in the afternoon on December 26th. And when officers arrived on the scene, one of the teens had made it back to shore, but the second teen was almost completely submerged in the freezing water, clinging to a piling and shivering. Officers used a rope to help pull that teen to safety. The teen was pulled up to a dock with their hoodie, gray sweatpants, and shoes completely drenched in freezing water. The unidentified teenage boy was immediately taken to an ambulance for help. Now, officials say the rescued teen actually jumped in to the freezing water in order to help and rescue his friend. Uh, So an amazing uh, piece of information that came about on that. And luckily, he was saved as well. 
There is no word on how the first teen ended up in the freezing water to begin with. But boy, a powerful story about how difficult the situation is for our men and women in blue, uh, even working in this very, very cold and frigid weather, but doing life-saving work 24-7. Well, you just heard from Phil. He thinks that law enforcement should basically go to the border now. Uh, We were talking about the situation that Title 42 in the last few hours, the Supreme Court came down and said that this health provision will stay in place for at least it looks like a few weeks, potentially could be longer, uh, but they will at least kind of hear the case. And in the meantime, basically, it remains in effect, which is great news for the border. Uh, The Biden administration isn't too happy there. I think we're hoping it was going to be lifted and that the president who's on vacation now would be like, oh, what border? I'm sipping margaritas in uh, St. Croix. Don't worry about that. No problems with the border whatsoever. Uh, But for now, it at least remains in place and at least is some sort of a block. Not a lot, but at least it's some sort of a block. But Sean Duffy, a former congressman, talks about this earlier today, basically saying that the situation right now is so dangerous at the border uh, because the cartels are the one who are bringing in huge money. They're the ones. They're taking advantage, of course, of the migrants, which is just so tragic. There were images today, by the way, I was looking of images of migrants who had crossed, and some of them are being marked on their bodies by the cartels. You know, before they were usually using like these like plastic bracelets, some of them were being slashed with like a mark to say, hey, you belong to this cartel or uh, or, or hurt or, you know, injured seriously saying, you know, hey, if you do something else, you keep your mouth shut when you cross the border. Don't say a word. I mean, you just think about these very difficult situations that the migrants are going through with this open border, not just America, but the migrants as well. And in the meantime, governors like Governor Abbott of Texas, guess what? They're just trying to do the best they can and bring attention to what's happening at the border. They're just like, look at what's going on. And and now Governor Abbott's getting blasted, by the way, by the Democrats because he shipped three busloads of migrants to Kamala Harris's house on Christmas Day. And they said, oh, that is so mean. That's so horrible of him to do that. Yet they don't talk about the millions that have crossed the border, how horrible that is. But those on the warm bus, that's terrible. Uh, Sean Duffy says Biden administration basically has their priorities so out of whack. Take a listen. The fact that the, that the White House and Democrats are chastising Republicans or Greg Abbott for dropping migrants off outside of Kamala Harris's house. Right? It's cold there. But listen, it's, it's not just cold in El Paso. It's cold in the desert right it's now. Cold kids are sleeping in the desert. The fact that this policy is basically empowering the cartels to funnel little kids into sex trafficking, into slave labor. And the fact that they're going to take the high ground and say, shame on you, Greg Abbott, for dropping people off on Kamala's, uh, Kamala Harris's doorstep to draw attention to the crisis at the border because the media won't cover it. So what, what else do you do but do a stunt like this to go, hey, listen, everybody, kids are, kids are being hurt, kids are freezing, not just at Kamala's, but in the desert and in Texas. Let's do something as a country. And I don't think anything happens with immigration reform until the American people demand it. And the only thing we're hearing from basically Democratic mayors demanding anything is not, hey, close the border, They're basically saying, just send more money so we can keep processing more into our cities. You got Eric Adams in New York asking for a billion dollars, basically, saying we want to be able to process them and put them up in the nice little Watson Hotel on West 57th Street. You got Lori Lightfoot, who is now also asking for money for the migrants that are in Chicago. 
And a new number just came out recently uh, that over 34,000 asylum seekers have gone through basically their intake center in New York City. So 34,000. I'd love to know, were any of them shipped out or are they all ordering food service at the Watson Hotel in New York? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Here is Jessica Tarlov talking about the big bucks that Democrats want not to close the border, but to bring some more in. There need to be federal dollars. We just saw a $1.7 trillion bill go through. Eric Adams is asking for a billion dollars. Lori Lightfoot is asking for money. Um, D.C. Mayor, you owe it, especially if it is part of the Democratic Party credo that we run sanctuary cities and that we treat people as equals to give those mayors those dollars to make sure that you can find housing for them. There are still empty hotels, things left over from the pandemic where we can get people inside. Yeah, let's get more money to create more problems as opposed to thinking about putting pressure. Can you imagine what a powerful statement it would be if you actually had somebody uh, like an Eric Adams or like a Lori Lightfoot actually picking up the phone and saying, hey, you know, President Biden, uh, this is a real crisis. You need to plug the border. You need to come up with comprehensive immigration reform. You need to do something and we need to figure something out. This is destroying our cities. We're getting overrun. We can't afford it. We can't handle it. There are so many issues right here. And yet they're not doing that. They're just saying we need money so we can process them. What a lame excuse. And they claim that they are taking, you know, this issue seriously. That's not taking it seriously. That's pandering to President Biden. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Raji. Line five. Raji, your thoughts about just how overwhelming this is. Go ahead. Hello, Rita. Listen very carefully. I have a couple of very important points vis-a-vis the illegal invasion of this country. Now, as far as using the term migrant, I'm disgusted with that term because that applies to legal uh, agricultural worker, uh, temporary worker, you know, uh, people who come from Mexico uh, in general to work here temporarily, seasonally, and then return to their country, etc. These are not migrant workers. That's a misnomer. And that's one of the reasons why this country is going down the uh, drain because of political correctness. By the, by the now, way, Raji, Raji b- to- hang on, hang on, Raji. By the way, um, Governor Hochul of New York says that migrants is a disparaging term. She uses the phrase, I have to remember what it was. I think it's like, uh, you know, uh, undocumented individual or something. She thinks migrant is basically, uh, you know, offensive. So uh, you just need to call them persons without paperwork. Maybe something like that is what they're thinking. So it, you're right. It has gone so unbelievably PC as opposed to as opposed to her focused on the problem. She's focused on the verbiage, Raji. Go ahead. Yeah, I have the solution. Now, uh, remember two years, two and a half years ago, thereabouts, two to two and a half years ago, Biden in a speech clearly specified that the Caucasian race is diminishing uh, in this country, almost becoming like the dodo, you know, and that's a great thing he mentioned. Now, if you want this thing to stop, 
uh, you know, by uh, the current administration, the illegal invasion. What you do, you get plane loads of Ukrainian uh, 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 refugees, people uh, who are living right now in Eastern Europe, mainly Poland, uh, as well as Yazidis with blonde hair, blue eyes, you know, bring them over to the border. And immediately the walls will start going up to the skies, you know. How sad is that? You know, Raji, you know what? What a sad testament. And I hear what you're saying facetiously because you're right. Or, or, or bring more Cubans in who typically vote Republican. Suddenly, you, you know, you, you have, uh, you know, a couple thousand Cubans come in. Boy, that border wall sounds like a great idea. Um, but, but I think you hit it on the head. You know, it's so sad. There have been stories of late about some Ukrainian refugees and others who are having a hard time getting in or even some of the Afghans who were fleeing there. Gosh knows what's going on there with the Taliban in control. And they were having a hard time getting in. But if you're like an illegal migrant from Mexico or South America, it's like no problem. And the disparity is is uh, is a stunning. And you bring up just the politics of it all, uh, which just is, is such a great reminder of just how disgusting it is and how this really is all about politics to them and who they want in and where they want to put them and what they intend to do um, and the numbers. And you're right. It's not like it's been that easy. Uh, for the Ukrainians and others. Um, and yet, um, boy, has it been way too easy uh, for people from Central and South America and, and many of them who wouldn't fit the criteria of asylum. I mean, a lot of them just want a better life, but it doesn't necessarily fit like that they're being persecuted or that it's this horrible situation. I don't think we'd have a problem with somebody from Ukraine or Afghanistan questioning if they're being persecuted. You know, I mean, that's a, and, and what a what a sad state that they are having a harder time. Raji, thank you. That is a really brilliant analysis. Let's go to Teddy. Line two. Ted, your thoughts about all this. It's a very sad uh deplorable situation uh i have empathy for the uh, refugees yep absolutely uh being dropped off what's your idea though regardless of where they should have gone rita on a freezing night for abbott to send them to washington dc and drop them off in front of the vice president's house how low can you sink rita well you know what teddy i at first thought you know, yeah, there is something It's sad. I don't blame me. I definitely don't want anybody out in the cold. And I have tremendous sympathy for all these people. I never blame anybody for wanting to come to America because it is such a great country. However, I also saw that after about 10 minutes, they were picked up from these NGOs, these non-governmental you know, organizations. These are these charities that are helping many of these migrants, a huge portion of them. Um, all over, whether they're coming into the border or they come into these states and get off buses. So they were outside in the cold for 10 minutes, which I don't like anybody to be outside in the cold for 10 minutes because it is absolutely freezing. However, they seem to be in a warm bed pretty soon after that. And that's a little bit better than some of our homeless and some of our veterans, Ted. Does it make the story a little bit better that they were just outside for 10 minutes than 10, you know, 10 days? Go ahead. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, what, what's your solution? Can I ask you? Sure, go ahead, Ted, real quick. What, what is your solution? My solution is an easy one. Go back to what Trump was doing, close the border up, continue the border wall, finish it. 
remain in Mexico and play hardball with Mex- with Mexico and all these other countries saying that they need to start enforcement on their side of the border. It's actually pretty simple. And and, and you know what, Teddy? It actually was working under Trump. Uh, even people on the Democratic side said it was working, those who care about the border. So he really didn't have to create the wheel. He just had to keep the course. But he didn't want to keep the course because he hates Trump and he wants open borders. So go ahead, Ted, real quick. Uh, let me ask you something else. I, I meant to ask you this many times, but I didn't. My favorite color is red, but go ahead. You always use the term rhino to describe uh, Cheney and Kinsler. Is it because they disagree with Trump and they didn't and they don't like his policies and they don't like his character because and they're Republicans? You call them a rhino Republican in name only. Why do you use that? That's a disparaging term. Well, that's what a lot of people call them, Teddy. I'm not the only one who has used that phrase. So I'm using what a lot of people describe them as. And it's uh, Cheney and Kinzinger is the other the second name. Um, But. In that particular case, these two people, do you think they, they they were not putting a balanced panel together? That's where I'm coming from, Teddy. If you want the American people to have faith in a panel, you need to have all sides presented on the panel. And that panel, the January 6th panel, which is what we're talking about, because uh, everything goes back to January 6th and Trump, remember, right? I'm being facetious, but it seems to. Um, but... If that's the case, if you're going to have a panel that you want all sides to say, gosh, I learned something and I can trust what they came with and the conclusions they came with and the people they interviewed and that they really looked to get all sides so we could present everything to the American public to make sure that, you know, security, these kind of things don't happen again and all the other things. We can't feel that way. I I know a lot of people who, many people who don't feel that way. I know many Democrats who don't feel that way because they're at least honest that they see it was a very partisan panel. And if you're going to say, well, we had Republicans on the panel, you had two Republicans who hate Trump more than the Democrats do. I don't know if there's anybody who hates Trump more than Liz Cheney. You know, so it's like, how can you have faith in the pro- the process and how can you say it was a fair panel? And, and that was really a waste of American taxpayers money if you don't have both sides, you know, and, and that's that is the to me the travesty of all. Maybe there were some interesting things we could all learn from January 6th. There were some interesting developments. I still have so many unanswered questions because this committee didn't want to go there. They didn't want both sides. They only wanted one side. And that meant you know, whatever they can do to take down Trump. And when you walk in with an agenda like that, you're not going to get a fair outcome. Everybody deserves a fair trial, including President Trump, whether you like it or not, Teddy. But that is the truth. Ted, thank you very much. I love all your calls. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And coming up in the next hour on the Rita Cosby Show, Congressman-elect 
George Santos says he is sorry that he embellished many layers of his resume, like uh, almost every layer, but he embellished many, many layers of his resume. He is a key vote for Republicans because it's a really narrow majority when they take the House 222 to 213 uh, GOP to Dems right now. Uh, That's not a lot. That's nine. That's a very, very narrow lead. And he says he's sorry, but he said, listen, what I did was not criminal. So I want to get your take on what you think should happen. The House Democratic side says he should be investigated. There's some questions now about his money, some of the campaign funds and other things. Um, Does it go to ethics? Does it go to morality? Uh, Could go to finances? Um, Should he be sworn in on January 3rd? Um, Should there be a question? Should it be delayed? Or do we look at the history of some other people like Senator Blumenthal? What about Senator Warren? There's a few uh, fibs in there, too, boys. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. But for now, we are talking about the border, which is a huge issue. And by the way, as we were speaking about House Republicans, they have basically said that the issue of the border is probably going to be front row and center. That will be probably one of the first round of hearings that they will do and that they actually want to do the hearings at the border. I think that is a brilliant idea. They will actually want to hill, you know, hold those hearings, not just on Capitol Hill, but they actually want to have the Democrats and the Republicans. I bet many Democrats won't even show up, but they will want to at least hold the hearings at the border so they can say, hey, earlier today we went on a fact-finding mission. This is what we saw. And you can't, you know, you know, you can't deny it, Democrats. Here's what we're seeing. How can we get to the bottom of it? And also, let's bring in Mayorkas and find out if the border really is secure. And why did he say that the border agents were whipping the Haitians when they never were whipping the Haitians and he knew it? So there's a lot of questions there. I actually think Mayorkas is in deep trouble. And I actually think there could be grounds for impeachment of Mayorkas. I don't like to throw that word around. The word impeachment, I think it's been too uh, willy-nilly of late, the way that they have like, oh, I don't like Trump. Let's try to impeach him. I don't like Trump. Let's try to impeach him again. Oh, I don't like it. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, Tuesday. Let's impeach Trump. You know, I, they, the Democrats have thrown it around. But if you look at the disaster at the border, and again, Mayorkas, the head of Homeland Security, what has he done? Nothing. And he sits and looks with a straight face that the border is not open. And he's told border agents that he even said, I never said the border uh, was, uh, you know, was uh, open. You know, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, you know, I don't, uh, I never said it was secure. It's like he flips and flops like a pancake. Depends on the day. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. But I think he has done such a derelict job at the border. I actually think there are potential grounds for an impeachment in that case. Um, so what are your thoughts on where this is headed now that the GOP is about to take over? Let's go to BJ, line two. BJ, your thoughts. God bless this, everyone. So it was written by Charles Dickens in A Christmas Carol. And I'll tell you, you know, we're all God's children, but we're being demonized in America for protecting uh, our own. Charity begins at home. We, do, we uh, have a God-given right to uh, secure borders. We have a God uh, inalienable right to protect uh, our rights 
uh, in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence. How many of these bleeding heart Democrats that are so willing to demonize uh, the Supreme Court and others who wish to protect our borders and uphold our laws against uh, lawbreakers, how many of them are willing to adopt? Like your, your, your math teacher friend that just called in, is he willing to adopt, say, uh, say 20, 30, you know, maybe teach the math? Uh, how about uh, our little friend out there in, in, in uh, Forest Hills? He's always trashing the Republicans and conservatives. You mean how Stan. Many, he you mean adopt? Stan, right? You're right. Gonna... That guy. That guy. You know, I mean, they're oh so quick to to put us all at risk. You know how many uh, on the w- w- they're not the ones that have to trip over them on the way to work. Well, and you, you know, know, you know, it's interesting, BJ. When some of them came to Democratic strongholds, I think about like Martha's Vineyard. Remember when they lasted thirty six hours in Martha's Vineyard? The people in Martha's Vineyard, uh, who are probably some of the biggest bleeding heart liberals, um, who would normally oh we love them, love them, love them. And they couldn't wait to ship them out quick enough to like a military base because, oh, we can't handle it. And they certainly have a lot of property there. What about Obama who's got a house there? He could have probably put about a thousand of them right on his property. And that actually would have been a brilliant move on his part. But he did not. And and so the disparity is really blaring. I agree with you. Um, Let's go to David real quick. Line seven. David, your thoughts. Yeah. uh, It seems like I have no time left. Uh, I don't even know what to say, Rita. There's no time to respond to any of this. All right, David, here's, here's what I'll do. As, as, since, uh, since it's holiday time, you stay with us, David, and I will take your call at the top of the next hour uh, because I love you and appreciate everybody's call. So we'll continue on this, you guys. And then we'll talk a little George Santos. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Pretty heated in the House of Representatives with some of these really stunning revelations surrounding Congressman-elect George Santos from New York. You know, he was one of that group of New York GOPers who helped put the House over the top for the Republican Party. Remember, everybody was like, oh, my gosh, New York is like turning red And a lot of the key areas uh, were credit to like folks like Nick LaLota and a couple of the others. uh, And, of course, George Santos, too, as well in Long Island. And now we've been getting all these details about his resume. You know, at first it was trickling out and it was the New York Times. You didn't hear any comments from, you know, from him. Uh, But now... George Santos is on basically an apology tour, if you will, and says that, yeah, he did embellish his resume in a lot of different areas, his work, his experience, his education. I mean, it's like all these different layers uh, that he's saying, yeah, I did kind of embellish it. And he says a lot of people do. uh, But what I did wasn't criminal. Maybe it wasn't the brightest thing in the world, clearly. Um, And I'm sorry, uh, but it wasn't criminal. But. Basically is asking for a pass and still wants to get sworn into Congress 
on January 3rd, which now is right around the corner. Take a listen. Here is a little bit of this apology tour, and it was on Cats at Night on WABC. Anything else you want to tell uh, all Americans, all New Yorkers? I think it's simple. Uh, I think I thank all of the people who have been reaching out and stuck by me this entire time. In, in these times is when you really know who has your back. And I have had an immense amount of support, and I really want to thank each and every person. And I want to make sure that if I disappointed anyone by resume embellishments, I'm sorry. And I will deliver to you on everything I campaigned on because it's still the same guy, still the same message, still the same priorities. God bless the United States and God bless all of you. And thank you, John, for having me here. So is it just a little resume embellishment? I mean, he like said he went to college. He didn't go to college. He said his you know family were just, you know, Jewish Holocaust survivors. And then he said, no, it wasn't Jewish. It was Jewish. I'm sort of Jewish. I mean, That, to me, is just shameful. That, to me, is one of the biggest, just most disgusting disparities. So should he get a free pass? Uh, Should he be investigated? There are questions also about his money. And this is what he had to say because everyone's like, well, how did this guy who doesn't have a college degree, can we trust that? He said he worked at Goldman Sachs. He didn't work there, remember? I mean, there's like so many questions now in his background. And yet he contends the money was his and it was legitimate. But people are saying, "Ah, I want to know about that now, too. Last question. Um, The $700,000 you put into the election, was that your money? That is the money that I paid myself through my company, the Volder Organization. That was the money I paid myself through the organization. All right. So as opposed to yes. You know, that that's a little bit of a weird answer. Let me play that again, because that is actually a weird answer, uh, which makes me kind of do you see how we couch the verbiage? Somebody said, is that your money? I'd say, yeah, that was my money, you know, as opposed to that was the money I paid myself to do. You know, let's play it again. Last question. Um, the seven hundred thousand dollars you put into the election, was that your money? That is the money of that I paid myself through my company, the Volder Organization. All right, so that's not a trick question, but it was kind of a trick answer. That was really an interesting answer. So we're going to get to that also later on in the show. The other thing, too, is now there are many people calling that at least he should be investigated by Congress. There are some people who say that he should either resign now before he gets sworn in because it's a narrow window. Again, it's January 3rd. Or uh, there are many people on the Democratic side saying that the House should, quote, expel him. What are your thoughts? Is he worthy to serve in Congress now that he is clearly uh, definitely embellished his resume, even by his own admission, on so many different levels? And it's not just, uh, you know, well, uh, you know, I uh, went to college for four years and got uh, whatever, you know, it's it's no, it's not a question of it's he didn't go to that school. He didn't work at that place. He didn't do there's some serious holes I mean that that I actually find extremely troubling and I I find it unseemly that somebody who is running for Congress would make so many errors and so many points of your life sometimes maybe you don't remember a certain thing or a date or you couldn't remember a, you know a place or something like that these are serious things you know if your family are Holocaust survivors or not. Um, you know where you worked, you know where you went to school, 
Um, and is this the kind of person who is worthy to be in Congress? I really want your thoughts on it because it is disconcerting. And now people are saying that also the House should look into his finances. After hearing that answer, maybe they should because that was a bizarre answer, you know, and that's his, his own answer. Uh, by the way, GOP Congressman-elect uh, Nick Lolota, who we've had here on the Rita Cosby Show, um, he is one of the few on the GOP side. He said this, as a Navy man who campaigned on restoring accountability and integrity to our government, I believe a full investigation by the House Ethics Committee and, if necessary, law enforcement is required, basically against George Santos. That was a colleague of his. That's one of the guys who got elected with him just now. Um, And now he's saying there should be something looked into. Um, That is pretty serious stuff. Needless to say, there are other people like Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh hates Trump. So, of course, like Teddy, who called before, everything is Trump, 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 Trump. So somehow Joe Walsh, who doesn't like President Trump, has connected the dots to George Santos embellishing on his resume about college and Goldman Sachs. Of course, to who else? It's all Trump's fault. So take a listen to this one. He's an utter fraud, Phil. He sh- the, the Republican caucus should treat him like a pariah. In the before times, they would have, but they won't now. But this really needs to be said. This isn't surprising. I, I mean, in, in, in a party led by Donald Trump, who in essence lies almost every time he opens his mouth, it's not surprising that Republican candidates and Republican elected officials, I mean, they've learned from him. They've learned from him. What a pathetic, ridiculous attempt. This guy is an adult. If he embellished on his resume, he alone is responsible. Somehow it doesn't go back to Donald Trump. I don't think Donald Trump was writing his resume or correcting him or telling him to say he's Jewish or anything. I mean, he absolutely wasn't. So this is just pathetic to say because this guy doesn't like Trump, Joe Walsh, he hates Trump. He's a Republican. Uh, we were talking about the rhinos before. This guy's got a rhinoceros, right? So forget about that. I mean, this guy, like, just hates Trump. And so somehow it's Trump's fault. And also Kirsten Powers of USA Today, a Democratic consultant on CNN, she also echoed those thoughts. Take a listen. This is the Trump effect. It's it's that you can do pretty much anything. And what Donald Trump came in is he started, as soon as he became president, he was doing it before he became president, but then when he became president, he started doing all these things that weren't against the law, (laughs) but they were things that people didn't do, right? So it started to be this kind of thing, well, it's not illegal, and it's like, yeah, but it's it's not really ethical or okay or acceptable behavior. And it was just like, well, I'm just going to keep doing it, and who's going to hold me accountable? And so I don't know what to make of this guy, you know, where he has lied. I mean, even he calls them embellishments. I mean, that's not what that word means, right? It's like (laughs) embellishment is like dressing it up a little. These are just lies. They're just flat out lies. What kind of person just makes up all these things? That is ridiculous to tie it all back to Trump. Now, first off, George Santos is no Donald Trump. So to make that equation is ridiculous. It kind of is like, what was the analogy? I was thinking uh, Senator Lloyd Benson, remember, when he was running for vice president and uh, Dan Quayle tried to equate himself to John F. Kennedy. And it was that famous line where Lloyd Benson came back and said, Senator, you're no Jack Kennedy. Well, I can certainly say you can't sit there and say that George Santos is like Donald Trump. 
you know, that that the two of them are the same and that Donald Trump sometimes gets a pass for whatever he says on the stage or whatever the case. Uh, George Santos, uh, I don't think, could uh, fill a stadium. And I don't think George Santos, who is a Republican elect, he's a congressman elect just about to come into office, uh, would get any sort of a pass that somebody else would get. He hasn't even been elected in office yet, and there's a lot of questions right this. But to be able to say everything is Trump's fault, give me a break. 1-800-848-9222. Um, before we go on to that, I want to finish with border. We had a lot of callers about the border. Now, the Title 42, the Supreme Court ruling in just the last few hours, that it will temporarily stay in place at least for a few more weeks. And I say bravo, bravo, bravo to that. Let's go back to David on line seven. David, I promised you I'd give you some time. Go ahead. No, thank you. I appreciate it, Rita. Um, Quickly on the border, Joe Biden and the Democrats and Republicans should thank their lucky stars that the conservatives on the Supreme Court threw them a lifeline that they can use to actually do something before we get this uh, wave of people coming across the border. I know you're probably surprised that I said that, but it's true. Now, to get to George Santos, because you were just talking about And, and by the way, bravo, David, too. I, and I am happy to hear you uh, because I do think you're right. They did throw him a lifeline, and I hope they use this time to come back with something constructive to protect this country. So I agree with you on that. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on George Santos? Go ahead. Okay. Now, you and I have both worked throughout our uh, careers in different fields, but we've all, I, I'm pretty sure I can speak for you as well. We've always been accurate with our resumes and our history because if we got a job, any kind of job, and lied on our resume like this guy did, we would be out of a job. That's and a great I point. That, Absolutely. You're right. Right. And I know that this person is likely to be seated in Congress, which is unfortunate, but. I think this is a a lesson for a lot of people. People who get paid to do opposition research apparently weren't doing their job. I've come from Long Island. Newsday is the major paper out there. Where was Newsday when this guy was running? There are so many people that slipped up. And this guy sounds like he's mentally ill because the lies that he he is telling are so blatant and outrageous. How did he ever think he was going to get away with it? I mean, it defies logic. Yeah, you you know what, David? David, you bring up a great point. Um, I also wonder, not just Newsday, because obviously they're, you know, the media, um, Robert Zimmerman, who was running against him. And Robert is a very seasoned politician, and he lost by a very narrow percent. He's, of course, outraged tonight. Um, He's the Democrat. Um, But usually the other side has this big opposition research team, and he has a lot of contacts. I mean, he's very close to the Clintons and others. And you would have thought that he would have uncovered some of these things. I think that, you know, I think a lot of people took it for granted that when somebody says something like this, that why would, oh, my God, why would they make up all these things that, like you just said, are so extreme? And also, um, but you're right, it would have probably been very easy to figure out during the campaign had they spent money on opposition research against this guy. Sounds like it would have taken a few minutes to do. Um, but Robert was saying he had very limited resources. I saw him doing an interview elsewhere and said something about how he didn't have a lot of resources. And obviously they were so focused on the campaign. Um, but you're right. There are a lot of people that should have been able to see this. I also wonder, too, I mean, not that it's his parents or his friend's fault, but, you know, if somebody was running 
and they're like, hi, da-da-da-da-da, and you know, I mean, clearly people know him or know his family. Didn't somebody go, you know, it's really interesting. On his resume, he says he's doing this. I'm surprised that somebody didn't, like, call up, like, Newsday or call Robert Zimmerman because there are so many extreme lies in here that I'm surprised somebody didn't call up and go, you know, uh, he never went to Baruch College. I work at Baruch College, and we don't see him on the roster. I was in Goldman Sachs, and he never was there, or he's my neighbor, and I know he never did X. I mean, that to me is also astounding that that he actually was able to slip through the cracks like that. I, I, it is a shocker, and I'm troubled by it too, David. Thank you very, very much. And real quick, let's go to Mike in South Carolina. Mike, your thoughts on this real quick. Uh, real quick. All right. Uh, a lot of stuff to go over. Um, read a good show. Thank you. Um, go back to, uh, you know, Mr. Joe Biden in St. Croix, you know, wasted away in Margaritaville. You know, it's unbelievable. I was laughing. A busload of migrants. Oh, you can't say that. Recent visitors to our good country. Camilla Harris. Hey, why don't you get hot chocolate ready and holiday cookies for these people? And you go down there, you say it's OK. Oh, and Joe Biden. You know, I still call him Rita, the donkeys and the elephants. And Joe Biden and his son, you know, convenient amnesia. And here's another thing before I go. You got callers waiting. Nancy Pelosi, like you said, why don't you subpoena her? They should subpoena her on this January 6th. They're always blaming the elephants and Donald Trump. And the optics aren't right. Give me a break. It's a ball of confusion like the song. Uh, I was a drummer back in the day. Joe Biden's in a state of confusion and his other Democratic donkey comrades. Great show, Rita. Thank, Thank you very much. All You got a lot in there, Mike. That was very impressive. And it's because you're, you're from South Carolina. That's why you know how to put all this great stuff together. Love it, Mike. Thank you very much. We're going to continue with your calls after the break, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. What do you make as we are talking about George Santos? Because the Republicans will deal with so many issues like the border and everything else. Do you want somebody in Congress who clearly embellished their resume in so many different areas, does that raise the question, is he capable to be a member of Congress? Should he be investigated? Should he be maybe put on hold? What do you think? 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we are talking about GOP Congressman-elect George Santos, who has now fessed to lying on his resume. Uh, But at first, remember, he basically was swiping the media, and he's still swiping the New York Times for exposing him. Take a listen. This is what he said on Cats at Night on WABC. The New York Times came out with what they called their big expose of who is George Santos. But to go out there and say fictional character that just showed up and ran, and now I'm a Russian asset, this is not journalism. This is attacking a human being. If they put all 435 members of the House through the same scrutiny they're putting me under, I'd really like to see the New York Times uh, should, should increase in page count. It'd be a much thicker newspaper. And he's got a point. Believe me, there's a lot of lying members of Congress. Um, Think about also in the middle of all this, you think about Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren, remember, who said that she was a member of the Cherokee Nation 
And she even agreed to take that DNA test, which turned out she wasn't, you know. And she had to apologize for her past claims of Native American ancestry. Uh, Remember, she did that uh, when she did a registration card for the state bar in Texas in 1986. She put down American Indian when asking about her race uh, because she thought, obviously, it would help her. Um, And then she said, oh, it was an ancestor who told her that uh, somehow and somehow it got translated to her. And then how about also Senator Blumenthal, Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, um, who has spoken before many military groups. He's a big supporter of the military. But then he claimed that he served in Vietnam. Turned out he never served in Vietnam. That's a pretty easy thing to know if you did or didn't do it. And there he's still in Congress. So what does that say about the future of George Santos? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Vinny on line six. Vinny, your thoughts about this? Hey, how are you, Rita? I don't know. All I know is this. If I go apply for a job and I lie on my resume and they find out, they're going to find me then and there. There's no questions. What's giving this guy a free pass? And he's running for Senate, too? I don't understand any of this. It gets worse and worse every day. You know, you bring up a great point. Vinny, that, you know, in the private sector, you're absolutely right. And in some of the cases of these others, they were already in office. Um, So maybe it's a little harder to remove them once they're in office. And then, you know, it's figured out here. The guy hasn't even been sworn in yet. And this is just what we know so far. I mean, I hate to say it. You wonder what else is out there that he isn't telling us that maybe the New York Times didn't uncover. Um, Maybe it's reason to at least do a pause and have a full investigation to determine whether or not he's fit. I, I'm really uncomfortable with his lies, Vinny, and, and obviously you are too. Uh, thank you very much for the call, Vin. Let's go to Sonny, line seven. Sonny, what do you think about this? Yeah, hi, Rita. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, yeah, you know, I think is, is this he he only uh, he's only sorry because he got caught. It's just like a lot of people. When they get caught, all of a sudden they break down and sorry, I, and they use words like they embellished on their, on their resume and all this. It's all crap. You know, I, I became at a young age a secret. Um, I was a U.S. customs agent, and I had to go through a series of questioning, actually at the World Trade Center it was. And if I lied on any of it, I would never have gotten a job. And, and here is a very high position. And I'm sure, I, I don't know, I think they need a security clearance anyway as a, as a, as a congressperson. Absolutely. And by the way, Sonny, I, I mean, just even as a reporter, I remember going in when I was covering the White House or the Pentagon, like they would look at like any, I found out things my neighbors did <laughs> that I didn't even know about. That's the kind of background check they do if you have access to the White House or Pentagon or Capitol Hill, as I did. You know, I like they don't even just looked into me. They looked into family members. They look into a whole bunch. Why should he get a pass? This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great military and, of course, their extraordinary families. A beautiful story coming from Midland, Texas, where Congressman August Pfluger honored World War II veteran Don McSparron in a speech. And he did it on the floor of the House of the U.S. Representatives. How beautiful. The uh, Don McSparron is a Midland, Texas local citizen. 
Now, in addition to his military service, Mr. McSparron, who is now 96 years old, has volunteered with the Midland Police Department for the past 22 years, impacting lives and strengthening the community. The congressman said in his remarks today, quote, I rise to recognize a Midland local and World War II veteran, Don McSparron. For the past 22 years, he has spent countless hours patrolling Midland as a volunteer with the Midland Police Department. With his wife, Doris, in the passenger seat, I love this part, Mr. McSparron drives around town assisting folks at any given moment with something as minor as a local traffic accident or as major as a lost child. He has helped countless people around Midland and is seen as a staple of the Midland Police Department. How beautiful is that at the age of 96? And also, by the way, at the beginning of this month, Midland, Texas Mayor Patrick Payton officially declared the day Don McSparron Appreciation Day to recognize Mr. McSparron's lifetime of service and incredible dedication to the community. So someone who had served in the military who is still serving and helping the community in a big, big way with his wife by his side. And there he is, age 96. What a great, great American. And I love seeing him and his family being recognized. Well, we are talking about George Santos. He is the GOP congressman-elect, of course, from Long Island, part of sort of the red wave in New York that helped put the House of Representatives in the GOP hands. And now much of his resume turns out to be one big lie, Uh, where he went to school, where he worked. There are now some questions about his money. Um, There's a lot of questions. And he has admitted that he, quote, embellished his resume. And he said, listen, it is not a crime. Uh, There's no law broken. It just was an embellishment. And I shouldn't have done it. And I apologize. Is that good enough? Or should he not be sworn in? I think there's some serious character issues uh, that it goes to this. Even the GOP, by the way, um, you look at many of the leaders of GOP, even in New York. And I'm talking about even, you know, the, you know, not the elected politicians. Some of them are also talking about it and critical of him for sure. Um, But in addition to that, um, you see some of the party kingpins who help with the fundraising and they're raising some serious questions about him, too. Um, Here's also Olivia Troy. She's the former advisor to Vice President Pence. She was on CNN earlier today, and she believes that even though there's a lot of questions surrounding George Santos, she believes that Kevin McCarthy will keep him, uh, will not try to do anything because they need as many votes as they can. Right now, again, it's 222 GOP. 213 Democrats, that's in the new House that's coming in, that's being sworn in on January 3rd. And because that margin is so narrow, there's not a lot of buffer there for the GOP for them to have the majority, to regain the majority. That was, you know, the only big win that they necessarily had in the midterms and that every vote counts. And she thinks that Kevin McCarthy uh, will have Santos sworn in. Take a listen. Kevin McCarthy needs that vote. So I don't think he's going to do anything. What he should do, well, he should hold this person accountable. And I think it would be important to do that because it should also speak to the credibility of the Republican Party, which is already waning significantly in terms of 
how the far right and the party behaves and the fact that they are the base of the party right now and their demeanor. And so do you want this guy sitting there who basically lied about his entire background now? And I agree with her. I think it's going to be an enormous, enormous blemish, you know, when you sit there and you see this guy, every time you see him, it's going to be like, this is the guy who lied about X, X, and X. How can you trust when he's there that what he's doing is honest, that there's something else not in his background, some other big surprise? And there's a lot of questions about his funds right now. Uh, You just heard uh, that he was asked about the $700,000 that he raised because he raised a lot of money he put in and he said it was his money. So how can we trust that anything he's saying, quite frankly, when there's so many holes Um, And this is Olivia Troy basically pointing out another question mark in his background, in his story. I think it's abhorrent about the fact that what I find most abhorrent is the fact that he lied potentially about having had employees that uh, died, that were killed in that Fultz nightclub shooting. Mm. I, I think that is actually just completely disgusting. And I think that speaks to his character that that would even fathom like something that would come out of his mouth if it's not true. Yeah, that's the Pulse nightclub. That was that in Florida where he says that he lost friends there. And now there's a lot of questions. Were there friends there that were actually lost? Um, And then he said, remember that his relatives were in the Holocaust. Apparently, they were not. I mean, uh, what? why would you make up something like that that's just so deeply personal and so uh, tied to difficult times uh, to say you lost somebody when you didn't lose somebody there and Holocaust, you you certainly know if your relatives are tied to the Holocaust, especially if you're an elected official and you go around telling that story. And then he said, no, again, uh, I didn't mean I'm Jewish. I meant I'm Jewish, sort of Jewish. Uh, You're not sort of sort of Jewish. And you know if your relatives are in the Holocaust, especially if you're running for public office. Can we trust this person? Does it go much, much deeper than just a little fabrication on a resume? Uh, This goes to a serious, serious issue. But if you listen to George Santos, this is a little bit of his explanation as to sort of where he's coming from. Take a listen. You were elected to Congress. And and the the fact is uh, your opponent should have, uh, uh, if he thought there was something wrong, should have uh, uh, done his homework and said it before the election and not, uh, not after you win. Well, not only that, John, something that I tell everybody constantly is, I've always been very proud, and I've always made many jokes. I'm the kid who came from a basement apartment in Jackson Heights in in Queens. I was born in abject poverty. My family had various ups and downs. I had my personal ups and downs. I saw through that my mother received her terminal cancer treatment care all the way to the end until she died inside our home in, in, in in home hospice care. It wasn't easy. Financially, it wasn't easy. I was 27 years old. You know, I was just getting started at like the good part of my career, and I was taking care of my very old mother who gave her, would have given her life for me. So, yeah, I had financial struggles and difficulties in my life, just like everyone else. But it's things like the New York Times and the elitist institution of the New York Times that make a front page cover calling me George Santos and his odd jobs. I worked proudly at a call center when I was younger. That's not an odd job, that's a hard job earning income blue-collar job that elitists at the New York Times look at as an odd job. I I don't understand how that 
ties to why I embellish on a resume. You know what I mean? Like, because he had some struggles. Clearly, he didn't have that many struggles um, because he had enough money. Apparently, 700000 he says, of his own money. So th- there's just a lot of questions here. Um, and again, there are a lot of people in Congress. I cited two of them. I talked about Blumenthal saying he was a Vietnam veteran when he apparently wasn't in Vietnam. Um, also, you know, uh, Pocahontas, remember <laughs> Elizabeth Warren, um, who turned out she wasn't uh, Cherokee Indian like she claimed. Even the DNA test confirmed it. But is this different? I think it is. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Victoria in Vermont. Uh, line six, your thoughts. Victoria, what do you think should happen to George Santos? I expect that he won't be seated. Uh, I don't think Kevin McCarthy could go through with that. I, I, I think that you can't trust anything Santos says or does. And apparently he's as much of a pathological liar as Joe Biden. But I'm very concerned about one thing beyond this. I know the Democrats fight dirty and Republicans roll over and play dead. And I'm just concerned. This, I was worried about this before the Santos issue even came up, that, that the Democrats are going to start zeroing in on anybody with a blemish who's just been elected and target them until they resign, until the Democrats get the majority back. I'm, I'm very concerned. You know, they can get the majority back without even the benefit of an election. And by, by the way, that's a really powerful point, Victoria. And there isn't that many seats difference. I mean, we're talking nine seats right now. Um, so if they can see if somebody else has got some issues or whatever. And, and, and that is part of the reason that Kevin McCarthy and others um, I actually disagree with you that I think Kevin McCarthy is going to try to seat him. I think there'll be such a furor, but I think he will try to seat him. And because it's January 3rd, he's going to hope like maybe people get busy and have a little extra eggnog uh, between now and uh, New Year's. Maybe have a little extra champagne. They're hung over. Then he buys another day. Who knows where, you know. But I think he's going to try to seat him because of just what you said, that there is such a slim majority and also, if they suddenly knock off this one, maybe it opens the floodgates to others. Um, and so that's an interesting point. Um, and, and then, you know, on the flip side, the Republicans can make the case. Look, you got Richard Blumenthal. Richard Blumenthal, by the way, served in the Marine Corps Reserve during Vietnam, but he was never deployed to Vietnam. And yet, if you heard his stories, you would have thought he was in the jungles of Cambodia, like in killing fields. You know what I mean? The way he's described it, like he was right there, you know? Uh, so he clearly has embellished, and he's still there, and he speaks to veterans groups all the time. Um, and then you got Elizabeth Warren, too. What about her, who made up her allegations? They're still there, both uh, prominent in the Democratic Party. Um, so can't the GOP kind of make a case? I mean, they can sit and say, well, then if we'll remove Santos, if you remove X and X, I mean, you want to tit for tat. What do you think about that, Victoria? Well, yeah, I, I suppose that's possible. But I do have one more question that might offer a way out of this. Uh, I know that Lee Zeldin is without a seat right now, and I don't know. I'm not familiar with New York law about whether. Kathy Hochul can appoint someone to fill that seat or whether there would be a special election. It, or, it, by the way, uh, it would be a special election. And and also, by the way, Victoria, if it were Kathy Hochul, then it would be a Democrat because she's a Democrat. Um, but in this particular case, there is a special election. So then it would go back 
um, to a whole new thing, and, and, and Lee would have to run if he wanted that. Um, Robert Zimmer, uh, Zimmerman, who was the guy who lost to Santos, for sure would probably run again because he lost narrowly. Uh, but so that's 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 why it becomes a whole wild card. And then that seat very well might not stay in GOP hands. That's why there is so much at stake. Uh, Victoria, thank you. Really interesting. And I'm glad you asked that that point about uh, what happens. Let's go to Ed. Line four. Ed, your thoughts about this. Yeah, I agree with her. Uh, you know, um, this guy is uh, exhibits classic psychopathic behavior. He shouldn't be allowed to drive a car or vote, let alone serve in Congress. But Kevin McCarthy's going to seat him because he needs that vote. So it's it's embarrassing. But you know who should really be embarrassed is Jamie Harrison and uh, Maloney, the chair of the DCCC. I mean, how they let this guy slip through is is beyond belief. Well, that's that's a great point because it didn't seem like, you know, the New York Times did this expose and then the, you know, the bricks fell pretty quickly right after that expose. So it sounds to me like if somebody had spent $500 on opposition research um, against this guy, they probably would have been able to find a few holes almost immediately. And they clearly should have done a better job at that. Um, and I agree with you. I actually think there are some serious psychological issues with this guy. You don't make up these stories like he did. And I also think um, that he probably will be seated. But the problem is going to be, um, I just tend to think that there may be more in his background. And, and I think even if there isn't more, every time you look at George Santos now um, for maybe all the noble things that he did, that he just talked about raising his mother who had cancer and all these other things um, in his lifetime, and and maybe he is the successful businessman he claims to be. We've got to you know, question that now too. But if he is... Um, you know, uh, all of that, you know, and I'm sad for him gets overshadowed because when you see him, you're just going to think about the lie about this, about this. When I see Blumenthal um, and and Richard Blumenthal, a Democrat in Connecticut, um, has done a lot of great work with veterans. I know that firsthand. Uh, but every time I think about him, I think about the guy who claims that he was there in Vietnam fighting in Vietnam because I have met so many of those guys who have fought in Vietnam. And for him to claim that he was physically in Vietnam when he never was, he was a Marine Corps guy, a reservist who never actually saw action or did that, uh, that's shameful. That's, that's absolutely shameful. And I think about it all the time. And George Santos has got a whole bunch of whoppers, not just one whopper. He's got like a triple whopper so far. He's got like a, a whopper and he's got the fries and he's got the drink. So how are you going to overcome all of that? I don't know. 1-800-848-9222. And we'll continue with your calls when we come back here on The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show. Well, there is lots of discussion. Should he stay or should he go? We're talking about George Santos, who hasn't even been sworn in yet. And boy, he's on the apology tour for all his embellishments on his resume that he's admitted to. Listen to this discussion on CNN. He could resign. I mean, if he's really embarrassed, he should resign. I mean, that's what you would do if you're really embarrassed. You'd apologize and resign. Yeah, I guess that's exactly right. You know, yeah. I don't think that's, that that's what he's playing. No, to do. that's right. That's right. Yeah, but I mean, as yeah, you that's exactly right. 
He's going to come under pressure. But he has no shame. Mark my word. Wait, sorry, Charlie, what'd you say? The man has no shame. Yeah, I hear you. He's going to come under real pressure to resign. And I think Nina might be right. A lot of these folks don't have any shame anymore. Uh, But believe me, I dealt with cases of non-criminal conduct of members of Congress who were forced to resign. Remember the kissing congressman? He resigned. Uh, Others, marital infidelity. There's one case of drug use. Well, that was actually criminal. But most of the time, there were, you know, what would be non-criminal or minor offenses. And they were forced out because the leadership did not want to deal with this. They didn't want to start the new Congress off talking about uh, talking about this guy and his uh, not embellishments, his fabrications of a resume. Well, they will be talking about this one. Uh, He's apologized, said, I'm sorry, but it's not criminal. Where should this go? Uh, Let's go to Chris. Line one. Chris, your thoughts. Rita, sorry, I called in about an hour ago to speak on the border. I don't know if I could speak on it still or not. Yeah, yeah, real quick, if you could, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to touch on an earlier call you had, Phil, and talking about uh, uh, Abbott declaring an invasion, putting the National Guard down there, and they spoke about President Biden sending the military down to stand down the National Guard to allow a wave of illegal immigrants to enter our country, which would be an illegal order because it violates the Constitution and no— Military commander, the highest of high or the lowest low private, has to obey an illegal order. So where do you see it going, Chris? Where do you see this? Uh, obviously, uh, the states want to protect themselves, you know, and, and the government wants a big old blaring wide open border. I, I could see Governor Abbott calling it out as an illegal order. And where it goes from there, I don't know. Uh no, but that's and a Chris, by the way, Chris, that is a fascinating point because it, it, it could be a, a good old Texas standoff in more ways than one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's anti it's it's against the Constitution, which makes it an illegal order from the commander in chief. Fascinating. Now, what about Santos real quick? He's disgusting. It is horrible. It's despicable. It's the lowest of low. I I won't speak whether he should be seated or not seated, but I will say this. The Democrats need to look in the mirror because they've got their own pack of rabid lion dogs. They should let the GOP handle this and keep their mouths shut. They got Joe Biden. They got Nancy Pelosi. They got Adam Schiff. They got Blumenthal. They got Elizabeth Warren. They got John Kerry. They got Al Gore. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Well, that's that's exactly the point. I mean, I think, uh, Chris, thank you, because I think actually it would be very interesting uh, if Kevin McCarthy said, you know what, maybe we will tell him, but now let's start, Admitting on the other ones, uh, you got Blumenthal, you got Warren, you got this. Uh, if they'll step aside, too, that would be the good thing. Like maybe pass some new thing that if it turns out somebody lied in their resume on something in Congress, they should be held to the same standard somebody in the pi- private sector is. I mean, it's outrageous. Uh, I think that's a great analogy uh, that a number of callers have brought up. Uh, let's go to Chris, uh, the other one in Long Island. Actually, you're from where Santos is. Go ahead. Yes, I am. And I'm going to tell you something, Rita. I'm going to be totally disagree with everyone that's called up here uh, in, in that, you know, when the guy ran, you know what he ran on? Fighting crime, okay, and lowering inflation. The two things that all Republicans ran on. Yep. This and and great issues, won. by the way, important issues. Right. Exactly. So here's the deal. He ran two years ago, by the way, and he barely lost Tom Swazi. Yep. Okay? So he just didn't appear out of nowhere. All right? So everyone had time to figure out what this guy was all about. But here's the deal. I saw all his commercials. <clears throat> My point is this. We have to let him serve his two years, okay, 
Hopefully he's learned a lesson from all this. People in Connecticut, I have friends in Connecticut that vote for Blumenthal all the time. They don't care about it. He lied being Denang Dick. They don't care. They say he's a good Congress, a uh, good senator. My point is this. Let's be fair with Santos, okay? And, right, hopefully he'll learn a lesson from this. I care that he is worried about crime and inflation. You, do, and you don't care. Yeah, but the reason I bring this up, Chris, is and, – and listen, I, I, I'm the one who brought up the whole Blumenthal thing. I think it's despicable. Um, but – um, in the case of Santos, so far, it's a series of a number of things. It's not just one or two, and he hasn't even been seated yet. Uh, what if it turns out that there's a whole bunch more? That doesn't matter to you either? Just the issues matter? I mean, I hear what you're saying because those issues were powerful issues. Clearly, the voters cared about them. I, I thought it, they were absolutely priority issues, too, and I thought the New York GOP on so many levels, did such a great job, and obviously the voters did. They wanted change, and that's why they brought him in. Um, but doesn't it go to a bigger picture? What if it turns out there's a whole bunch of other things, too, um, that are in his background, that it's just the tip of the iceberg? Uh, I mean, you know, you you blame the opposition. Obviously, he's the one to blame, right? Yeah. Well, look at AOC, Rita. She ran... She ran as a girl from the Bronx, and then we all found out she lived in a Tony uh, Westchester neighborhood. Oh, no, and listen, I agree. Listen, uh, I mean, politicians, how do you know they're lying? What's the joke? Their lips are moving, you know what I mean? I mean, there are a lot of politicians uh, that spew a lot of stuff. Uh, But the question is, what else is there? Is everything on the table? And will it just be an utter distraction for the GOP? We're going to continue talking about this tomorrow, too, guys. Have a good night. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret. And visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.